Free Talk Live, 855-453-free. It's the SACL toll-free call-in line. I don't even have to call it the SACL toll-free call-in line tonight because... It's my toll-free line. That's right. I've got Jason Osborne in the studio. And Wayne. And uh, so give us a call on the... Jason Osborne toll-free line <laughs> here on Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. First, though, we have a little lady uh, called Emily Davis on the line here. Emily? Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Excellent. Board up, could you pot her up just a little bit, please? So, um, as I understand it, you have a CD out. And, uh, Jason, tell us why this CD is special. Because uh, it's awesome, and I am a huge fan of Emily, and I thought I'd throw my weight around a little bit here tonight and uh, get Emily on the line with us. <laughs> she you. is an excellent artist, but there's something special about uh, you know the the way that she went about getting the CD produced or the tour or something. Is that right? Yes, exactly. I think she had a a brilliant way of uh, promoting and funding her tour, and we talk a lot on Free Talk Live about uh, intellectual property and how you know people like artists and so forth can. Uh, uh, make money on their products in uh, in a world where they're not suing their customers for copyright infringement and so forth. And the music was, industry is is blowing up like a, a big atom bomb, and um, you know artists these days have to get to their customers directly. So Emily, can you describe what you did to us? Um, okay, for uh, the tour, um, there's a there's a really cool website called Kickstarter dot com. Kickstarter. It's, uh, it's, the idea behind it is that they help fund creativity. That's kind of their little slogan. Okay. And. Um, it's a fundraising site where people will go and um, uh, they'll offer, they'll, they'll, they'll come up with the premise of what they're trying to raise money for. And it's not just music. They have all kinds of things you can raise money for okay. um, in, in that creative vein. And uh, the one that I was raising money for was my tour. And um, it's, I like how it works because also it's not just uh, people are throwing money at you. It's you do something for them in return. And so um, I, I uh, in my campaign, um, I, uh, with, for people, I'd write songs, or I, I made posters for them um, that I, I did little cardboard cutouts and um, handwrote lyrics and whatnot. And so I would send CDs out and things like that, and it helps raise money. And it's um, it's a really cool site, and it helps a lot of people out. So, so um, how much money did you need to raise to uh, to do your tour? Two thousand. Two grand. And how many stops were you going to have along the way? I, I uh, originally um, I had 15 stops. I had to cancel one um, because I was in an accident. But oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. Are you <laughs> are you recovered? Yeah, we're good. It was um, we it was amazing. Uh, we were we crashed into the back of a semi. who was braking because he was trying to avoid hitting a dog. Um, Did you slide up underneath it? Said, Pardon? Did you slide up underneath it? No, he had one of those uh, catch guards, so we got really lucky with that. But um, it totally demolished our car. So well, that's what guards are supposed to actually do is uh, they're supposed to crumple towards the accident. So I'm, I'm glad that you're uh, reasonably well. OK, so 15 uh, stops. Now, this two thousand dollars was really just to get you started. You'd need more than that. Um, but you were going to get ticket sales and, and CD yeah. sales and stuff like yeah. that. So, it mainly went to promoting. Uh, we had to do a lot of uh, promoting via sending mail out. Gotcha. Um, whatnot and covering that. People had to know that you were, you were coming and you had to, to, to promote ahead of time. That makes some sense. So right. $2,000 is what you needed to raise. And um, you, so this is you know, money you didn't have, clearly. What did you do for different people um, for sort of different levels? How did they – because, I mean, there's a lot of people listening right now. Artists that don't have money are relatively commonplace in the world. So oh, yeah. <laughs> let's, oh, <yeah. laughs> let's give um, them some ideas. <laughs> Um, well, they've got the website actually has a lot of cool ideas, and you can take ideas from other people. But um, uh, for uh, 
$20 donation, I would send them, uh, well, no, for a $10 donation, they'd immediately get um, a digital download of the new album that I was releasing, plus three songs that were unreleased on the album that m- most people won't be able to hear. Awesome. Um, That's a good deal. Uh, $20, they, they get the download and then the CD. Okay. Um, $50, they get all of that, and then I made them posters. Um, people who donated $100 would get all of that, plus I'd write them their own song. Oh, really? Um, people who, yeah. You'd write them their own song for 100 bucks, and they yeah. get a poster? Yeah. What's tell me about this poster real quick? I mean, is this something that you printed up, or you said you'd make no, them a poster? I, I got some. Uh, I got some markers and cardboard, and um, kind of just attacked it in whatever song that the person chose or whatever they wanted. I kind of just went along with it and kind of made a concept out of cardboard and markers and whatnot. I've got so one of them the hanging album. up in my son's room, and it's crazy, wicked, cute. So you think? Um, so you think that Emily's uh, one of these emerging artists? I mean, because you're really into these new uh, music. You're uh, new music. You're always sending me some song or another that I'm uh, supposed to listen to. And um, you know, I've listened to some of them, and <laughs> I've got to say, some some are good, and some some I'm not so sure about. Emily, I haven't had a chance on here. He just handed me the CD, and we haven't I haven't listened to anything yet. But I am uh, I'm certainly interested in doing so. Thank you. I, I think a lot of our listeners would be a uh, big fan of Emily. Uh, Emily, do you have a website where people can go and uh, stream your album and perhaps yeah, download do, or actually. buy it? Yeah, um, I, I, you could find me on emilydavis.bandcamp.com. So, now, I, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Bandcamp, and going back to kind of what he said about, um, or who, I'm not sure who said it, but about artists being able to have people hear their music without um, suing them or whatever. I love what Bandcamp does. I think it's a really cool site. And, tell me what they do. Well, um, lots of people will just kind of do like little bits and clips of songs or whatever. And Bandcamp, like they have the whole song up for streaming, and um, it's it, they they do little cool little. Uh, you can give people a coupon code, and um, just all kinds of stuff that's very um, user friendly, and uh, I like it a lot. So. Yep. I mean, you know, you, people, especially new artists, want to be able to get their music into people's ears as easily yeah, as they can, and. Yeah. This is the the sort of difference between music that's been produced in the last five years and music that hasn't, that's been right. produced pr- prior to that. The music produced prior to five years ago is likely to get you sued for listening to. Um, the music in the last five years or so probably won't because people just want to be able to tour, make music for people, and, and that kind of thing. Totally. Do you think that's why ticket prices have gone up so much with some of the dinosaur bands? Are you asking me that? Yes. Um, probably, yeah. Because, you know, bands don't make, especially with, like, major CD labels and whatnot, bands don't make um, much money off their own album sales. They make money off of touring, and so you've got a five-piece, six-piece band who's going on tour, and they, they kind of want to be able to support themselves with their music, then naturally I think prices are going to go up because they're not, they're not making much off their album sales. There also seems to be a trend now where a lot of bands are self-publishing. <laughs> In other words, they're not going through record companies anymore, and they're marketing, if they're big enough anyway. Remember a few years back, the Eagles did that. They actually sold their their album right through Walmart exclusively for the first year, and bypassed the record company, and probably did very well, from what I understand. Emily, do you have any ideas how people might um, market their their new band or or whatever? Um, you know, by by bypassing record companies. Honestly, it's really hard. Um, I think, well, first of all, people who who are uh, good enough can probably just do it. But I mean, there's. We're really cool. It's really we're we're living in an age where the internet is just totally what's carrying music. I think now, and so the internet's a great tool for people to use. And I mean, you know, you come up with. I haven't done this yet personally, but I'd like to. Um, I'm I'd come up with a cool idea for a music video, and you know, catches on something different, some kind of angle you could use. And people like that. There's that band. I think they're called OK Go, 
and they had that that music video of theirs that went viral, and they were jumping around on um, treadmills or whatnot, and that really caught on, and that got their that people people were um, sorry <laughs> they they got they got a lot of notice because of it. So um, I think that's one thing you can do. Um, you know, just I think I got lucky because I I mean I um, I found um, my niche because what I write about is stuff that's heavily influenced by a band that I really like called Bad Religion. And um, I uh, I really like the ideas that they put into their songs, um, social issues and whatnot. And um, so uh, I back a couple years ago, I started doing YouTube covers of um, Bad Religion, not really intending on a... It, it was just kind of random. I, mm-hmm. I uploaded one one day and people liked it, so I kept doing it. And um, Now, that, now funny, Emily, that's how I discovered you on the internet as uh, your Bad Religion covers. Uh, would mm-hmm. you say that that's where... A, good number of your listeners come from certainly and i think i think a lot of them like maybe also kind of like my music because i don't i don't i mean i do have a couple love songs but that's not the focus of my music i don't think um i i, I like to write about other things and stuff that um i mean bad religion was a huge influence on me and they really influenced my way of thinking and my worldview and so i kind of like the ideas that they have and um i think people um maybe like my music because Before we run out of time, Emily, there's one song in particular that our listeners are going to want to hear, I think, and I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet because you haven't sent it to me. Are are we going to be able to hear that sometime soon? Oh, the Lysander Spooner song? That's right. That's the one. I'm so sorry, but um, I I was planning on tomorrow. I don't work until at night. Will that be available online for anybody to listen to? I was going to send it to, to Jason, so. Okay. Well, I'll put it online for people to listen to. We'll plug your website. Thanks very much. The first secret to success is recognizing opportunity. The second is to act on it. But how do you gain the skills to know how and when? AllSuccessClub.com. Meet successful individuals online and in exotic locations around the world. Find out from the rich and famous how they went from rags to riches and learn how to achieve financial independence for yourself. Your path to success begins now at AllSuccessClub.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live, the live Wednesday edition with Mark Osborne and Wayne. That's right. We've got uh, Jason Osborne, the principal of SACL CAI. So when I say it's the SACL CAI call-in line, you can thank Jason. You're welcome. So real quick, the time to stand up for freedom is now. The media won't help us. The establishment won't help us. They wish to black us out. Well... Let them black this out. On October the 19th, tens of thousands of Americans will be donating to Ron Paul's presidential campaign. Visit blackthisout.com to join them in the fight for liberty and freedom. The fact is that in the presidential race, the thing that matters the very most is funding. The media knows it. uh, The pundits know it. Everybody knows it. And the top-tier candidates are defined by fundraising, and we can make a difference in the Ron Paul campaign by uh, donating on October the 19th at blackthisout.com. This is, uh, you know, this is... 
This is going to be the day that, uh, what was it, the remember, remember the whatever of uh, November, the uh, Guy Fawkes Day. The 5th. The, the, the 5th, okay. That was uh, such a big deal during Ron Paul's campaign the last time, and this is going to make a difference. And it has to be a little earlier because just the whole campaigns have moved up uh, earlier. So we had Emily Davis here on the show just uh, a few moments ago talking about her uh, album, Dark Matter. And Jason, I just wanted you to be able to mention whatever about her um, that uh, you wanted to get out because she made a song for you. Right, just the end there. Yeah, we were talking about uh, the songs she had uh, made for different people, and uh, I had her write us a, a song about uh, Lysander Spooner, and uh, when I get that, I'll post that on the Free Talk Live uh, message board. Cool. And uh, I got a chance to meet her uh, at one of her shows while she was on tour, and uh, it turns out she's a libertarian, and uh, I was uh, pimping the Free State Project and trying to get her up here. Yep, we can use attractive libertarian musicians in the Free State Project, there's no doubt about it. What is her website? Uh, emilydavis.bandcamp.com That's what it was. And uh, make sure and like her uh, Facebook page, too. You know, Jason, I didn't have a chance to listen to any of her songs, but how would you describe her music? Uh, I, w- I would call it uh, folksy, I mm-hmm. guess. I- I'm not a big folk listener myself. I like but, it when uh, it's witty. Folky, folk music mm-hmm. tends to be more witty than uh, than other types of music, and I like it for that reason when it's done that way. Yeah, this is more serious. Okay. But, well, uh, you know, there, well. There's a lot of songs that uh, really uh, spoke to me. Uh, there's one in particular called Our Own Moon. It's uh, uh, kind of about uh, being born ahead of your time. Hmm. And, um, it's interesting. Good. All right. Well, check her out at uh, emilydavis.bandcamp.com. So let's go on. Wayne, you've got a story on uh, Ron Paul, who seems to be uh, you know, on uh, everyone's lips these days. Yes, from thehill.com, Ron Paul says... Federal Reserve is why Americans are protesting Wall Street. Representative Ron Paul, Republican of Texas, says, said Wednesday that when Americans find out what the Federal Reserve is up to, no wonder they're up on Wall Street raising cane because they know the system is biased against the average person. Unquote. Speaking at the National Press Club, the presidential hopeful said, quote, the Federal Reserve is bigger and spends more money than Congress does, unquote, wow. with approximately $15 trillion worth of transactions. Herman Cain, another challenger for the Republican nomination, said that he believed the ongoing Occupy Wall Street protests were orchestrated to help pre- <laughs> President Obama and denounce the protesters during an interview published by the Wall Street Journal. You know, it's interesting um, when you disagree with somebody. Ah, they've got funding. They're from the other side. It's Dastro Turf. It's orchestrated, blah, blah, blah. When it's on your side, it is a grassroots populist movement. And, uh, you know, we're here on Free Talk Live. We don't tend to do that. I believe that people are out there doing what they believe they're, they're doing, you know, most of the time. Now, I'll grant you when bureaucrats go and testify before say congress or something like that and they're getting paid for it especially like local state houses and stuff like that that really uh, you know sticks in my craw because clearly they are astroturf you mm-hmm. know the idea that they're going and getting paid um, to give an opinion on how they should do their jobs do your job we'll tell you what you need to do that's that's what kind of bugs me about it. But anyway, go ahead. Um, I think it's interesting. It's, it's all it's all astroturf. Well, Herman Cain goes on to say, he says he doesn't have all the facts to back it up, but <laughs> I happen to believe that these demonstrations are planned and orchestrated to distract from the failed policies of the Obama administration, Cain said. 
Now, Democrats. The Obama administration is responsible for the nation being uh, dropped into an economic recession, what, six or nine months before mm-hmm. he took office. Well, yeah, I think that Bush basically drove the economy into a, a ditch, and Obama has just stepped on the accelerator, and now it's hanging off the edge of a cliff. And, and Bush did the bailouts. I mean, if. Mm-hmm. The initial ones, all, anyway. Yeah, all these candidates that uh, want to say that the uh, you know the marketplace can can fix this this these problems, and I think it can mm-hmm. over time. I mean, let's let's lay the blame where it belongs. Bush and the Republicans believed this thoroughly that you know everybody was calling in saying, "Don't do these bailouts." Uh, as I understand it, they got more calls on this issue than they got in the the entire term, um, his his second term on anything. And as I understand, one senator described it as fifty um, percent were no and fifty percent were hell no. And so, I mean, it was it was well over ninety percent of but the they people voted who, for it anyway. They yeah. told the American people take a long walk off a short pier, and while you do, to stick a broom in your butt because we do not care what you have to say. We're smarter than you, and we're going to fix this by giving rich people your money. And they, they did the same thing with the health care bill, which helps their friends in, spe- uh, in the medical industry. But what's interesting is r- what Ron Paul is saying here. I think he's really implying that you know people are protesting on Wall Street. Not all of them know why. In fact, I think the other night you read the so-called demands that a group of, of the protesters Some had written. Of them, sure. But you know what? I did, but out of that that list that I heard, I didn't hear one that said abolish the Federal Reserve. But the Federal Reserve is the cause of a lot of the problems that they're that they're basically they're purporting to solve with their demands. Sound money is uh, certainly um, you know a, a big issue. I don't think we would have. I don't think we would have. You wouldn't see the business cycle, and frankly, this is part of the business cycle, right, Jason? That is correct, sir. So, I mean, <laughs> that is correct, sir. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm I'm reasonably confident that, that that's the problem. Now, many of the people are there that we've got college loans. We've taken, you know, the I guess I, I can't speak too much to this college loan thing, but I hear it's another bubble, which to me means this is created by the business cycle, which means it's created by money that is not based on something uh, sound. Sure, and therefore. They're likely that we're, we're experiencing a bubble in that area, and they're complaining about being stuck with saddled with all this debt, and then not having a job to pay it off. And I can understand the complaint, but you know, I mean, you can complain about being saddled with a house that's uh, worth more than, or you know, was cost you more than it's worth, but you picked that house. For, well, from a macroeconomic standpoint, I think Jason, tell me if I'm wrong here. The whole the whole college and university complex in this country is a bubble because it's it's based on borrowed money and and there's a greater and greater percentage of money that's being borrowed for people to be able to afford to go to college now. Yeah, well, it's not just the the borrowing; it's the artificial incentives that are uh, created to make people do things they wouldn't otherwise do. So, I mean, you can, you can borrow money to go to college, and that's not a bubble. But when they're giving you artificially low and backed. Uh, uh, loans mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that are, the taxpayers are going to have to pay for, then that creates more people going to college than there rightfully should be. My wife's student loans are 2.1%. Now, I don't know how anybody manages to pull this off, but I mean, frankly, that's not inflation. Um, you know, she she wants to pay off all the debt we have, and I'm like, we're not playing off that. <laughs> we're, we're making not. money on that loan. That's right. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Give us a call at 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Talk about whatever you want to talk about here on Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nesquik. Try Nesquik 4-Packs, perfect for lunches and great for kids on the go. Look for it in the juice aisle. 
Snack time is a great chance to sneak extra calcium into your child's diet without making him feel like he's eating something he doesn't want. Serve up dairy-rich foods like smoothies, flavored milk, frozen yogurt, and string cheese. He'll love the treat, and you'll love knowing how good it is for him. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Eight fifty five four fifty three. It's a sacral toll free call in line. This is the fifth, day fifty seven of the Ian Freeman incarceration count up. The main host of the show, Ian Freeman, has been incarcerated for fifty seven days now in the Cheshire County Correctional Facility slash religious retreat, where he is uh, <laughs> apparently <laughs> reading books and and serving breakfast to his <laughs> little convicted friends. And he's sitting with his legs crossed. He's got his ha- palms of his hands up in the air. <laughs> um. <and> he's humming <laughs> and looking at a picture of Hayek. That's right. Hopefully, he's at least put some weight on. I free food maybe. I mean, he does love free food. There's nothing that guy <laughs> he loves. He likes free anything. Yes, he does. He he's, he really that way. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the main host of the show, Ian Freeman, tossed in the uh, the clink for 90 days for standing in front of a police car uh, for taking a woman to jail whom he felt was uh, being taken unjustly. That's what he does for his sort of uh, activism here in the Free State Project, among other things. Uh, of course, produces uh, well, one frankly, what might be the what might be the largest pro-liberty radio show in the world depends on how you have that metric. But if you found out that all the liberty, the, the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to one state in order to get active for liberty in whatever way they wanted to and uh, getting involved in politics and, and frankly being quite successful at it, um, you know, civil disobedience, uh, media creation, whatever it is, if, if you knew they were doing that, would you want to join them? You can. Yes. It's, it, you did. Everybody here in this room has joined uh, and moved for the Free State Project. You can join the Free State Project by going to freestateproject.org and moving to New Hampshire. It's freestateproject.org. I'd encourage you to do so. So, Wayne, we're uh, talking about uh, Ron Paul, what he has to say about the uh, Occupy Wall Street folks. Yes, Ron Paul had stated that the Federal Reserve is why Americans are protesting Wall Street. Now, of course, we know that that maybe they don't even know why they are fully. They, they're blaming Wall Street when really Wall Street was sort of a, just a front organization or a sister organization to, to the Federal Reserve System. But what's interesting also is that there's been several Democratic lawmakers who are endorsing the protests. Uh, and yes. Which, which, well, and quite a few unions, too. And a few, a few unions as well. And, and this is actually, this movement is, is potentially could bring a lot of people together. Because, uh, for example, there was a, um, uh, I guess it was a news conference or something a few days ago where Ron Paul, Dennis Kucinich, and Nader all got together and, and came to some common, uh, common ground, some points that they all agreed on. Mm-hmm. Anti-corporatism, anti-Fed. Uh, honest money. So there were a few things I was anti-war. very encouraged to see. Anti what? Anti war. Anti war. Yeah. Anti. That's an important one. Uh, so th- those are very encouraging. The economic issues, of course, were by the way. The, the price tag of the two wars in the last ten years. Um, I've seen the estimates go as high as four trillion at this point. Um, it used to be th- three trillion was what they, but somebody has adjusted it up upward. Somebody, I'm sure, with some level of credentiality. But that doesn't include all the black budget stuff too. 
because the Department of Defense is, is a slush fund, and a lot of uh, politicians and bureaucrats raid that on a regular basis. Same with HUD and a few other agencies. There's a lot of money that gets run dirty through those. those uh, and in fact, there was about at least $2 trillion missing from the defense budget between 1998 and 2001. Just missing. Well, let's not forget that um, the, you know the, a lot of these vets are coming back with uh, you know PTSD and uh, traumatic brain injuries and uh, limbs blown off, and these kind of things are extraordinarily costly to treat. So I don't know whether four trillion is going to be uh, enough, but that's a huge number. I mean, you know, m- most folks don't. I can't even. I can't conceptualize these numbers, and uh, frankly, I guess nobody really can conceptualize these numbers. Um, anyway, let's go to Andrew in Chicago. We'll get back to this, Wayne. Sure. Andrew. Hey, how you guys doing? All's uh, well. What's on your mind? Um, jury nullification. I've recently been kicked for, for uh, involuntary servitude, and now I have to go <laughs> serve my time uh, at my local course, courthouse. And I am just curious where some good resources are that I can learn uh you know, uh, how to use the legal system. Fija.org, F-I-J-A, Fija.org. And that ought to get you uh, about all the information that you would need about on jury nullification. But uh, to real quick to uh, let people know what jury nullification um, is, it is the thousand-year right of juries to nullify a law um, if they feel that for whatever reason that uh, that law is a bad one. And... Mm-hmm. You know, in the application in this particular instance, they can find the person not guilty simply because they think the the law is bad. And Fija.org will give you more information on that right of citizens in uh, in the collective as a as a jury. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. an individual citizen has the right to speak their mind, but uh, that only works uh, it only works in the judicial system oh, as wow. a member of the jury. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, guys. Sure. Uh, I enjoy the show. Uh, keep on going. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Um, a little bit of advice is, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't be wearing your, your liberty activism on your sleeve when you are uh, on the jury, if you intend to be picked, uh, because they don't want somebody who has an opinion that perhaps the legal system might be somewhat corrupted. Yeah, leave your uh, cop block shirt at home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unless you don't want to be picked, uh, you just want to go there, waste half your morning, uh, you know, going going through the process and not being picked. But um, yeah, I can see why you would not want to go at all if you didn't want to be picked. Well, you can always wear your Gazden flag around your back like Superman cape if you don't want to be a a jurist, I suppose. But get, getting back to uh, this issue with with Occupy Wall Street. There's there's a lot of, uh, you know, when a movement gets powerful like this, the bad guys always try to do the, the political Aikido on it. They, they want to try to harmonize with it and steer it the way they want. So you're seeing some of the big foundations, some of the big financiers trying to uh, hijack it, ride the wave, so to speak. And that's what people really have to be aware of and, and, and vigilant against because this happened with the Tea Party. The Tea Party got taken over by the Republicans trying to ride the wave into, into office. And it's no different here. Now, Dennis Kucinich, who is a Democrat and, and probably the most pr- principled Democrat that, that's in, in the House, aside from his little uh, ride on Air Force One with Obama before the, the Health Care Act was voted on, he said on Monday that he, he thinks that Ron Paul, um, Ron Paul's, uh, there's a rumor that Ron Paul has Dennis Kucinich on his short list for cabinet positions if he makes the nomination. But 
Dennis Kucinich states that Ron Paul and I have worked very closely together on trying to stop these wars, which are a major drain on, on our nation's morale and our spirit and on our economy. You know, I'm proud to have worked with him, and he's a, he's a great American. So, again, I think that this is an enormous opportunity for people on the so-called left, the independents, the anarchists, the libertarians, and even a lot of disgruntled Republicans to come together and, and to straighten this country out. Because wherever the United States goes, the rest of the world is going down the drain with it. Yeah, I'm not entirely on board with everything that's being said by some of the folks that are in the the Occupy Wall Street movement. But I am on board with a lot of the stuff that's being said by a lot of the people that are in it. Um, Also, there's this Occupy the Fed thing that uh, apparently they're intending to, you know, I guess it's uh, being spearheaded largely by Alex Jones, which, you know, of the things he he does, I think that this is a fine one. Uh, You know, let's let's focus focus people's. um, you know, let's focus them on the Federal Reserve, which I do think is a bigger problem than the, the the Wall Street. Now, Wall Street has a lot of ends. Many of many companies on Wall Street have a lot of ends into the uh, um, into the government and them using their their lobbyists and their their um, their influence in order to get what they want is, as far as I'm concerned, it's wrong. It's immoral that they should exercise some kind of more power over the political system than the average person. Can, the 99 percent is they're referring um, referring to it as. But if you don't get the Federal Reserve, you haven't solved the problem. And that's one of the things I really do support here. And actually, when they this. interviewed Kucinich last week, he, <coughs> excuse me, they asked him about the main problem facing America. Uh, and he actually says, well, I guess we could go back to 1913 when the Federal Reserve Act was passed. So he knows about this stuff. Yeah. You, don't, you don't hear a lot of Democrats really talking about the Fed like he does. Well, um, here's an interesting article from thinkprogress.org that I want to get to in, in the next segment. Memo to the media, it's not anti-capitalist to protest an industry that was saved by trillions of taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. So there are some on the left that have, you know, that, 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 that truly do get it. 855-450 free. SACL toll-free call in line 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9. Compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP. Features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9. Another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at Ruger.com slash LC9. Eight fifty-five, four fifty-three. It's a SACL toll-free call in line. 855-450-3733. Call in, talk about what you want to talk about. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. It's an interactive program. We have an interactive website. Freetalklive.com is an extraordinarily visited website. It, it is comparable to many of the major talk shows out there, the, the, the top-tier talk shows. And you can control the content, to some extent, on Free Talk Live. You can go there. You can vote up submissions, vote them down. You can submit things. People will vote up your stuff, vote it down. And in the process, 
many, many eyes get to see it at freetalklive.com. This is Mark. And Osborne. And Wayne. Call in at 855-450-3733. Talk about what you want to talk about. If you've been listening to Free Talk Live for a while, you've heard about bitcoins. Maybe you didn't know how to go about getting them. There's an easy way. You can get bitcoins by depositing cash at thousands of banking locations across the U.S., including Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Assuming assuming Bank of America keeps its doors open. (laughs) Once you have bitcoins, you can use them to pay anyone in the world with no transaction fees or third parties getting involved. It works just like a person-to-person cash transaction, but you can do it over the Internet. It's Internet Cash. To learn more, visit exchangebitcoins.com. Again, it's exchangebitcoins.com. So this article from thinkprogress.com, Memo to Media, it's not anti-capitalist to protest an industry that was saved by trillions of taxpayer dollars. The occupation of Wall Street has now entered its third week and protesters are spreading like wildfire throughout the country. And it really did get very big over the weekend. Now mm-hmm. it's like piddled out a little bit, but I expect it to come back on the weekend. This is how it goes sort of during the Arab Spring. Everybody protests on Friday. And if, if Americans keep at this, it will have some kind of effect. I don't know what it is. And it's spreading to other major cities like Boston and Los Angeles. And very so much so. On. And D.C. We, uh, uh, Adam Kokesh did a little video with uh, some of the D.C. folks, which appeared to be the tried and true lefties there, the, 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 the Reds. As the protests continue to grow, the media is increasingly taking notice, yet many of these media outlets are insisting on referring to the protests as anti-capitalist. Here are just a few examples, and they go through the Washington Post, the Fox News, New York Daily News, uh, Mediaite, which I'm not even referred to, uh, but they refer to them as vaguely left-wing anti-capitalist protesters on uh, October the 1st. Even progressive outlets are referring to the protests as anti-capitalists. This morning, Representative Alan West, Republican of Florida, advanced this meme during an appearance on C-SPAN, uh, which everybody just is into. Uh, C-SPAN, you know, it's riveting stuff. West was <laughs> asked about the protest. The congressman responded that uh, it was wrong for the protesters to be saying they hate capitalism and that the United States would be lost without faith in the free market. Um, they're are indeed some anti-capitalist protesters among the people at the Occupy Wall Street. Now, this is where we need to step down real quick. Mm-hmm. Capitalism means different things to different people. That's right. And the name has been unduly besmirched, I would say primarily by the Republicans, because the Republicans have, um, in the last 30 years, talked about how great free markets are and capitalism, but yet they've been practicing corporatism. But calling it capitalism. So the government all along has been calling itself uh, capitalism. Uh, Osborne, you have a uh, uh, on your forearm there, you have an anarcho-capitalist tattoo. What, what do you think about the, uh, the term capitalist? Uh, I just think of it as the uh, private ownership of uh, property. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the word was uh, originally generated as a derogatory, uh, was it not? That's by, my by, by Marx. That's correct. As I understand it, it was, uh, you know, people, you know, the use of capital by businesses or something like that. And I'm not entirely sure what it means to everybody. I think the usage of a word matters. And some people who use the word capitalism mean this crap we have today. Mm -hmm. And if they're referring to capitalism being bad and capitalism being this crap we have today, then I concur with them. I don't necessarily concur with their usage of the term capitalism, but I'm not going to play dictionary, um, uh, you know, halt monitor here, and and you know that's not my issue. My issue is finding ways that I can relate to somebody, and um, you know the things that we can agree upon. 
Well, crony capitalism is what we practice today, or or a, a, a soft version of fascism or corporatism, corporatism yeah. mercantilism. All, mercantilism, all those things apply. But the type of capitalism that really was successful in this country was more of a decentralized free enterprise type system, more of an anarcho-capitalistic system that we, that you had back in the 1800s and early 1900s. So there are, are indeed some anti-capitalist protesters among the people who occupy Wall Street, just as there are protesters there against the death penalty who want to change combat uh, or want to combat climate change or any number of other causes, which is the norm at most mass protests. Some of the protesters are even supporters of the ultra-capitalist Representative Ron Paul, um, Republican of Texas. I'd like you to quickly think back. This is thinkprogress.org, okay? I am reading from an extraordinarily left website, and – they're being very, very fair here, and mm-hmm. I think that this is this is what the uh, the hoi polloi that you know those of us upon whom this whole uh, you know government apparatus and and corporatist apparatus rides. We need to understand that if we keep fighting over the minutia in this stuff, then and, and that goes for the left. And the right mm-hmm. and the libertarians and, you know, whomever, you know, the authoritarians can take a long walk off a short bridge as far as I'm concerned. But, um, you know, if, if we keep on trying to split the hairs over um, these things, you're, you're not going to – this protest isn't going to take hold in any way. And I think it's interesting. I'm not, you know, I'm not dying to go out and sleep out in a park someplace in New York City. Not interested in that. But I am interested in seeing where this goes. And I think that politicians really – need to understand that whatever's been done before isn't working. And that's what my my biggest hope from this is. The actual organizing principle of the of going on here of the demonstrations is to speak with moral clarity of the economic inequality of our current system. The purpose is not to attack capitalism, but rather an industry whose wealth was guarded by to the hilt by government intervention. Backed up by trillions of dollars of taxpayer money through programs like the Troubled Asset Relief Program, the near-zero interest Federal Reserve lending, a form of government intervention the banking industry received, but millions of uh, foreclosed on homeowners and debt-laden students did not get. And who gets to put a lot of that money in their pockets? Well, a lot of the CEOs of the big banks get these huge bonuses based on this money, this, this big flood of money they get from the government to keep them solvent, and they figure out a way to work the books where they get their bonuses every year. Right. If, if these uh, businesses, if, Osborne, if these banks had been allowed to fail rather than being bailed out, uh, bailed out and tarped and, and given the QE1, QE2, QE3 by the Federal Reserve, what would have happened? You know, I don't really know. <laughs> well, I, well, that's, I, that's what yeah. a, a PhD in economics will get you. <laughs> yes. Actually, I have a theory on that. Because I see a lot of smaller, uh, small to mid-sized banks around that actually made better decisions and were solvent. And what you do by propping up these big, too big to fail banks is you basically are, are creating these zombie banks that are competing with the banks that made good decisions that deserve to stay in business. So it's hard to here, be in business. Here's one thing I do know is that by propping up a bad business like that, you postpone the inevitable crash, and it's going to be worse than what would have happened if you had just let it happen earlier. I love the the there's the what is it? It's it's Hayek and um, Keynes, and it's this rapping video. And if you haven't seen it, uh, go look up um, you know uh, Hayek and uh, Maynard Keynes rap, and you'll see the best darn internet meme out there mm-hmm. but they're talking about um you know i, I guess it's uh Keynes is uh knocking back drinks and they're they're 
comparing the debt that the government has to drinking. And I think that it's a really great example because if you keep on drinking, you won't get the hangover. It's just postponed. At some point, you'll end up in the hospital from this stuff. And that's really what's happening is the government just believes it can keep on borrowing and borrowing and making money out of thin air. And that somehow there's never they're never going to have to pay the piper. Let's not forget it's the Republicans that were uh, debting and spending before the the Democrats were. Basically, the Democrats haven't been able to raise taxes like they would like to. They would like to tax and spend, but they're not being able to do it. So they're debting and spending in the same way. Well, back in the 70s, Nixon, a Republican, said we're all Keynesians now. And that's so true that sometimes when you're criticizing the system the way it's been run – it's not really about Democrat or Republicans because they're both pursuing Keynesian policies. And John Maynard Keynes, for one, hated savers. He, he wanted people to spend all the money they made. Yeah. And he wanted to keep interest rates really low, which screws the savers. And, and the elderly people who have money saved have to, have to live off their principal and can't live off interest because Keynes didn't like people living off interest. He was, he was an elitist, and he basically his whole school of economics was to justify central planning. Yep, and the thinkprogress.com is right about this, that uh, if the 99% stays together and uh, isn't fractionalized, that they will have an effect on the uh, um, the, 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 the Wall Street uh, that has wrecked the, uh, the excuse me, the uh, they'll have an effect on the nation that has been wrecked by Wall Street's misdeeds. So, Amen. there you go. Your, your thoughts, 855-450-3733. You can call in on Free Talk Live, talk about this or anything else you'd like to talk about. 855-450-3733. When the power goes out for any length of time, you've got problems, starting with food that's going bad, even in the freezer. No communications, living by candlelight or flashlight. It's a bad place to be. The solar flare cycle is heating up and has already done damage to the grid. NASA and NOAA tell us that next year and in 2013, it will take down large sections of the grid for days or weeks at a time. Hurricanes and floods also cut power for several days or weeks. You can protect yourself now. The SG-1 solar generator by Sound Wisdom produces 5,000 watts of household current, comes with 230 amp hours of battery, 220 watt solar panels, and a built-in battery maintainer desulfator. This is the only portable system you can add as many batteries or solar panels as you like. It will also convert power from windmills, water wheels, DC welders, or gas generators. Any source of 12-volt DC power. See it now at freetalklivesolar.com. Technicians are standing by now to answer your questions even during the Sunday night show. freetalklivesolar.com Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You're listening to Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Osborne. And Wayne. So we've been talking about, uh, well, Ron Paul's reaction to the Occupy Wall Street, a couple of other uh, the political critter types. And, you know, I I think that... uh, there's some interesting stuff going on with the Ron Paul campaign, and um, frankly, the whole presidential campaign has kind of taken a turn recently. It was Rick Perry that was the big guy, and he had uh, he was beating Mitt Romney, and um, you know, in all the polls, but he appears to have uh, slid down 
the latter. He's uh, not quite as popular as he was. And I couldn't tell you why. Some people say it's the performance of the debate. Some people say it's his uh, you know, weak stance on, on immigration or whatever it is. And Frank- also his record is, has kind of come out, too. Yeah, there's this disturbing uh, immunization things. I mean, uh, frankly, I think his uh, record on immigration is the 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 best thing about him. In-state tuition uh, given to people that are uh, illegal immigrants isn't exactly a bonus. Has anybody seen what you pay for in-state tuition? I mean, that has it's, they still have to be making a profit on that. They just really stick it to the out-of-state folks. Isn't mm-hmm. is that about right? I mean, I don't I couldn't say whether they make money or not. Does anyone know? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I do know the the rates are a lot lower, though. They are, they are a lot and, lower, but and, they're remarkably high. For the rest of us, though, it's really hard to get those rates. Uh, I mean, you have to prove that you've lived in the state for a certain number of years. I mean, it's it's hard. Four years um, in state tuition will likely buy you, you know, a brand new uh, like one series BMW. Four years of out-of-state tuition will buy you a fine uh, Italian sports car. I mean, those are the differences. And if they can't make, I mean, when you're talking about a room full of 300 students, each of them paying God knows what per credit hour, hundreds and hundreds of dollars per credit hour, and you can't make this system work. There's probably something wrong with your system. Well, for one, you've got all these tenured professors that make a big salary and benefits and all. And then you've got all these big old buildings that that have to be maintained in these lawns. And it's a very expensive proposition to maintain a university. And then you have all these universities now who have have invested millions of dollars in sports stadiums. and, and, And they've wasted a lot of the money they've been getting with all this free student loan money on the wrong things. So there are trends forecasters who are forecasting a big college crash as a result. So um, now Perry, he's uh, he's he's trending downward in the in the polls. Romney seems to be holding on to that uh, that somewhere between twenty and twenty five percent rhino vote. They've mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, yeah the rhino vote the rhino vote. There he's holding on to it strong. The hair the rhino hair vote. <laughs> you know he's a he's a good looking man. Looks looks presidential and as it were. He's got a great voice. Yep. For- being president, and you know he knows how to he knows how to pitch the political line so that he doesn't really say anything, but he says everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know the, that disgusting politician thing that they do. And you hear a lot of Romney supporters say, "Well, he's been successful in turning things around in the past," and and and, and that part of it I I could see. But then when you look at the rest of them, like Romney Care in Massachusetts, and just the way he distorts reality, he he lowered taxes, yeah, but he raised fees. When you look deeper at this guy, just like Rick Perry, you you just see a bunch of pile of BS. Right. I mean, and and most Americans are upset about Obamacare and Romney, you know, invented signed, it, <laughs> signed uh, Romneycare into into being. So, you know, I think that what a lot of people, the people that are backing Romney, in a lot of cases, are backing him because he can beat Obama. Well, come on. Are you telling me that you think in a year from now that the economy is going to be better and that somebody's not going to be able to beat Obama? Any Republican that you put in the race is going to be able to beat Obama. Oh, except for Palin and mm-hmm. Gingrich. Um, you know, and by the way, Palin said she's not running and Gingrich isn't going to win anything. Quite so frankly, you know, the, the mainstream mainline Republicans are, are not radical enough because we have radical problems. We need radical solutions. And they're, they're just going to uh, rearrange the, the deck chairs on the Titanic, just like, the, like Obama's doing. Hail to the new chief, same as the old chief. And it's just going to be another four years of the same old garbage if you elect the same old politicians. And that's really what's going on here. Romney's dad... 
full, uh, you know, career politician. Yeah, I'm sure he was in business and I'm sure he did a fine job when you've got a bunch of money that was gotten from ill-gotten ways through pol- um, politics. Yeah, you, it's a lot easier to run a great business. Maybe he mm-hmm. did a fine job. The government isn't business. Business serves people. The government is coercive force. So having gov- uh, business accumulate doesn't really do anything when being in the government. Well, there's also two types of entrepreneurs, in, in my opinion. You have the political entrepreneurs and the market entrepreneurs. Yep. And the political entrepreneurs are just very good at, at, at schmoozing and weaseling their way in and getting government money to finance their enterprise. Whereas a market entrepreneur is somebody who basically finds an unmet need in the marketplace and, and does a good job satisfying his customers and makes a fortune that way. Those are the people I respect. And by the way, speaking of that, Steve Jobs just passed away today. Yeah, I was, I was going to try to get that in at the end of the segment. It's, uh, you know, great man who did um, amazing things with Apple. Um, you know, I don't know what else to say. I, you know, I'm, God bless his soul. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I wish good things for him. I mean, you know, he did some great uh, products. He left quite a legacy. Created a lot of jobs, too. Yeah, indeed. So, um, I, yeah, I wanted to uh, touch real quick on the the top tier candidates are largely defined by fundraising. Mm-hmm. Somebody, an upstart, can rise up through the ranks. There's no doubt about it. And Herman Cain seems to be sort of that upstart. But I would like, real quick, um, Jason, you've got a little bit in an article there about uh, Ron Paul's fundraising. I think this is important. Right. Just a quick blurb from Politico.com. Uh, yes. The uh, Ron Paul campaign official tells Politico's Don Hershorn that Paul will announce he raised $8 million in the third quarter. Which puts him very, very close to Perry and um, pretty pretty close to, to Romney. I think Romney was at 10 and uh, Perry was at about 8. And um, Plus, uh, Ron Paul had like the biggest one-day fundraising totals. Plus, he is the largest totals from military um, individuals. As a matter of fact, if you combine everybody, as I understand it, all the other candidates that Ron Paul has raised more than every other candidate, um, including Obama, from military folks, which really speaks heavily to the the, the chicken hawks out there that, uh, well, you got to support the troops. Oh, yeah. Well, if you want to support the troops, vote for the guy they want to vote for. Mm-hmm. Ron Paul. And bring them home. And right. uh, the other interesting fact is that uh, he has 100,000 don- individual donors, yeah. uh, which is five times as many as Rick Perry. It's, it's a mm-hmm. lot of different ones. I mean, now, now, granted, he doesn't. They don't have the the big corporate money behind them. But you can, when you've got that many individual donors, when the campaign does well, when the time really comes, uh, rubber hits the road, you can you can get more people to give more money. It's it's a very important to have uh, a lot of different places to draw from. And, and the other thing, these fundraising numbers don't take into account is the amount of grassroots activism yes. surrounding the campaign. That's uh, you know financially and technically unrelated. I mean, you don't have your average Joe going out on their own uh, stumping for Rick Perry, right? Uh, the Revolution Pack. There's all kinds of packs that are uh, you know pushing for Ron Paul, and also just individuals, people going out and painting signs and putting them up in their yard for Ron Paul. That has it has nothing to do with that. And it came out last week now that Ron Paul has got more mil- uh, active duty military donations than all the other candidates, including Obama, put together. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, it's it's really it's really really huge, and but. It's, one cannot cannot deny at this point that uh, Herman Cain was is rising uh, through the ranks. He's gotten some very important wins. The early ones were dubious. Um, you know, he got I, I guess the um, 
the Zogby poll, which is done, you know, it's not science, it's non-scientific because people don't, uh, you know, it's, they don't, uh, they don't call people up. It's the people who have opted into a, a system. And then he won a, a Florida, the Florida straw poll, which was in fact just uh, delegates. Yeah, none of these polls are scientific. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, if <laughs> yeah. when they when they call somebody on the phone, it's scientific-ish, isn't it? No. Well, you're uh, if what you are reporting on is people who answer telephones. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. And there, but there's no theory that you can use to uh, correlate people who answer telephones with. People who go to the voting booth. And, and then if you also look at some of the polls, don't even mention Ron Paul as, as a list of the candidates that they might endorse. I don't think that's happening much anymore. Um, it, it did last time around. But you're, you're, you are seeing people that are they're taking only Repu- registered Republicans and likely Republican voters. And I think that there's going to be um, these, this blue Republican phenomenon is catching on. Yeah. Democrats who are registering, registering Republican intend to vote for Ron Paul, if only to have a superior candidate against whom to vote in the general. I mean, this is in the general. It's not going to affect them voting for Ron Paul, or, uh, you know, Barack Obama in the general. So they'd rather have a better candidate um, against uh, whom to lose. Eight five five four five zero free. You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at WeUseCoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call-in line here. And uh, actually, I should say the Jason Osborne toll-free call-in line. Got Jason Osborne in the studio. It's, it's Mark. And Osborne. And Wayne. You can call in and talk about what you want on 855-450-3733. But another thing you may want are free audio archives of Free Talk Live. You can get them going back for five years at archives.freetalklive.com. I don't think any other commercial radio program does this for you. They all want you to pay for some subscription program. Give us $7 a month or whatever it is they want. And, you know, I, I, I just don't I, I don't think that it's out there. I could be wrong. It's archives.freetalklive.com. We are happy to provide them to you. We want you to hear the, the message of liberty. It's freetalklive.com. Do you want to become electrically independent? You need to have a power system that will take power from the sun, the water, the wind, gas generators, DC welders, bicycle generators, whatever. You also need to start small and grow your system. The SG-1 by Sound Wisdom is the only system that will enable you to do all these things. You can see it at freetalklivesolar.com. They have experts standing by to give you free education. Answer all your questions. Go to freetalklivesolar.com. This is a great system. It starts out as a, a generator that you can, well, frankly, that's generating it all, all the time. Um, you know, it's producing power for, say, your freezer, your refrigerator, and your well pump all the time, whereas the average generator sitting in your garage uh, collecting dusk and, the, and the, the gas is putrefying. You can, your generator will be paying you back the SG-1 at freetalklivesolar.com. So, guys, we were talking about the presidential campaign as it's uh, occurring, and I was listening to Fox News Radio today, and I just happened to have it on, and 
It's interesting. All they're doing is talking about uh, presidential stuff. So I you feel- realize we have still more than an entire year of listening to this crap. Mm-hmm. I don't. Maybe I, the. So here's what I'm thinking on this: is the uh, the the first few elections in the primary is what's important. Um, the you know New Hampshire, South Carolina, basically by t- Super Tuesday, which I don't know if Super Tuesday is even going to occur. By the time Florida happens, which will be January the 31st in 2012, so we are at this point three months from uh, the beginning of the, 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 the primary season, maybe even less than that, and it'll all be decided in four. Hmm. I don't think that you're going – you know, I mean, obviously there's going to be the back and forth between the president and the, the, um, the nominee, but – I really think the nominee is uh, likely to win this one. So I think that it likely is going to be decided within the next two or three or four months in here. Um, whoever the, runs the Republican primary is probably going to be the guy who's going to be the next president. That's my opinion. And last week, a very popular trends forecaster named Gerald Salente uh, said on um, one of the major networks that if the Republicans nominate an establishment candidate, that Obama has a very good chance of winning. And I would agree with that. Yeah. Because if if Ron Paul is really the only one who can go across uh, party bounds, he can he can get libertarians, he can get independents, he can get disgruntled Democrats and Republicans. So yes. he's he's really the only one I think he could win by a landslide. He's got something for everybody, whereas Mitt Romney has nothing for anybody. And Herman Cain is just more of a folksy, more straight talking yeah. version of Romney. But then you find out this guy was a Fed governor. Right. That's what I want to get into here is uh, some of the the kind of spooky stuff about Herman Cain, because, frankly, his his whole fair tax thing is tempting to many libertarian sorts. I understand it is. Believe me, I understand it is. So because we want something if if you're going to have taxes, they should at least be fair. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm not so sure they are. Um, Let's go through the list here. Former Fed Federal Reserve Chairman. In a time when the Tea Party is prominent and people are waking up more and more to the uncontrolled Federal Reserve and banker bailouts, the skyrocketing inflation, the banker foreclosure crisis, the tinkering of the economy, it's not very wise for people to choose a former Federal Reserve chairman as president. <laughs> this is the last credentialed one that you would want to see in any of the candidates' resume at this time. However, Herman Cain was the Kansas City Fed chairman between 1992 and 1996, and this is a total, totally critical association that people need to wake up to before voting for Herman Cain. Herman Cain supported the TARP bailout. Cain wrote an article supporting TARP. Here's the link to the article, and they sent it to You can trust anyone who holds uh, – uh, you can trust anyone who folds – can we trust anyone who folds like a blade of grass, giving billions and trillions of dollars to whomever wants it? I think not. Here's an article where he admits his support for TARP could be a problem. Here's a video where Kane is confronted about his support for TARP. I mean, so this is documented. This isn't just kind of some kind of mm-hmm. slanderous smear stuff. Kane was a Federal Reserve chairman. He supported TARP. He supports government intervention. Publicly. Yeah. I mean, this is he's just, he's just George Bush, folks. Warmed over. Well, I suppose his 999 plan distinguishes him in some case. But you've got uh, Neil Bortz, who claims to be a libertarian, out there supporting Herman Cain. Herman Cain is not a libertarian. He's not. Hmm. Um, he was against Congress audit- auditing the Federal Reserve. In his first part of uh, a video they've got linked here, shows his position on the Federal Reserve and whether or not we need to audit it. He obviously doesn't understand that Congress is the body that has the authority in Constitution to issue money and appropriate funds. 
later, after receiving tons of flack from the Audit the Fed supporters, came has flip-flopped and starts supporting Ron Paul's Audit the Fed. And this shows that in matters of weeks, he flip-flops on the most important issue our nation is facing today, the economy and sound money policies. Because of this flip-flopping um, and his past t- uh, time as Federal Reserve Chairman, it's pretty obvious you can't trust him to do anything about the Federal Reserve if elected president. If they do audit under Herman Cain and he supports what they do, and clearly he does, he was a Fed Reserve Chairman, what kind of uh, what, what kind of redress do you expect to get for the american people i would expect none none so let let me get this straight so the guy who knows what would come out of an audit doesn't think there should be an audit he didn't at one point and now he's supporting it but i'll bet he unsupports it once he gets elected Mm. i mean this is what presidents do they'll they'll back they'll go to some other campaign promises they'll keep they don't, they don't not keep some of them, but it's the ones that add power to the people that they generally don't keep. That's right. Re- Reagan campaigned to re- return to the gold standard. At that time, they could have done it at the price of gold. Yeah, absolutely. And they then never done. did it. So his 999 tax plan, which is so very tempting to many people, the idea that you could get this 999 plan on, well, you'd have a 9% uh, sales tax, a 9% income tax, 9% corporate tax. That would be fair for everybody. But the fact is, what he doesn't point out, that that's a tax increase for more than 80% of Americans, mm-hmm. for people in the uh, the bottom four uh, Quatrants, quatrants, uh, quintels of the, uh, the, uh, the, the whole thing there. I mean, really? That's what you want? This is the tax plan that's going to save us all? Increasing taxes on the bottom 80% mm-hmm. of Americans? And those who can least afford it. Yeah. Give me some of that, please. I'm dying for more taxes. I fit into that category. Thanks well, very much. Well, that's true. But then you, you hear the Democrats talking about taxing the rich, but they I don't think they realize, or maybe they're just dumb, or, or they're just saying these things to, to pander. But people with a lot of money don't pay taxes because they know how to get out of it. They either leave the country, they get their money out, they, they, they have tax attorneys. I need to talk to these people. <laughs> I, I wonder. I mean, I think that I do tend to think that the super, super rich probably already have their money. They only pay some kind of capital gains. They keep it. They invest. They have it in foreign investment accounts where they don't have uh, have to worry about this as much. But, you know, there's the, the rich that are actually doing something. I suspect many of them pay some some level of taxes, but I'm not exactly sure how much they pay most of the taxes. Uh, yeah. I mean, but it's it's the. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Eight fifty five four fifty free. That's the SACL toll free call in line eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Here on Free Talk Live, it's Mark with you and Osborne. And Wayne, you can give us a call. Talk about what you want to talk about. That's what we do around here on Free Talk Live. Check out freedomsphoenix.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. 
Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com, and sign up for their free daily dispatch. I get it, uh, I think, twice a day, actually, and uh, I think it's great. Freedomsphoenix.com. Going on with uh, this uh, Herman Cain character, who I think, uh, I think at, at this point in the campaign, it is important to begin talking about him. His uh, star appears to be on the rise, and understand that in the, in the process, people's names are going to go up and go down as people get to know them. So as they you know first hear about somebody, oh, this guy sounds great. Would it be awesome to have a black Republican? And frankly, I think it would. Mm-hmm. I think it would be great to have Herman Cain with the with the ideals of Ron Paul as the nominee. It'd be so awesome to uh, tell the Democrats who, uh, you know, three years ago said, uh, oh, you're bigots for not supporting uh, Barack Obama, that they're bigots for supporting uh, the half-white candidate. That would be a <laughs> lot of fun. <laughs> It'd be even better if you were gay. But the question is, <laughs> right. does, but the question is, does Herman Cain have Ron Paul's ideals, and that does not, and that's the problem. He doesn't, it, it, you know. And so, when they talk about the fair tax, he's got this fair tax thing, which uh, which does sound very libertarianish. So people tend to equate him to sort of this uh, you know pro liberty kind of guy, and yeah, not so much. Um, the the nine 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 plan and the fair tax afterwards would raise taxes for eighty percent of the country. Also, McCain support, or excuse me, Kane. It's easy to say McCain supported TARP. He says um, he says he didn't want the Federal Reserve audited. He's a former Federal Reserve chairman. All these things are pretty pretty uh, disturbing, but it doesn't really preclude somebody from being a presidential candidate out there. This one does. Herman Cain often mentions how he's such a great businessman and that uh, we should put a businessman in the White House. Would you put a corrupt businessman in the White House? Herman Cain was involved in illegal actions when the Aquila Board of Directors um, on the Aquila Board of Directors defrauding millions of dollars in stock from the Aquila stockholders. This scandal was likened to an Enron-esque disaster that has uh, Herman Cain's management fingerprints all over it. And why would we trust a guy who oversaw such a corrupt and fraudulent operation? Now, I'm not going to claim this. This is being uh, written um, here at, oh, I think it's spirit76.com. Wake up 76, 1776.com. But I do think it's important that if they, if somebody can point to something like this, remember what the whole Whitewater thing did to the Clintons. This was disastrous for them. Do you think that Herman Cain can win against Barack Obama when the full weight and pressure of the media comes out and says, hey, what about this Aquila thing? And then they turn it into <laughs> something and really make it a big deal. And I think that, you know, I think that's what's going to happen, folks. Oh, you bet they're going to dig for whatever they can. So this is the kind of this is the albatross around his neck. And, and for those of uh, you who don't know the uh, the the Mar- ancient Mariner uh, poem, uh, what I'm s- suggesting is that this is so bad it's likened to a dead, stinking, rotting, large seabird hanging around <laughs> his neck. And it is <laughs> it ain't pretty. Um, okay, don't, her- don't you think it's interesting the timing uh, that they use to release these tidbits of information? Like, why, why wasn't this the first thing they talked about? 
the like, uh, why, why is it only coming out now that he's getting popular? That's I, the I point. think that people have to dig further and further. You, you you won't find these things about even in in some in smaller state governor races. I mean, look, Sarah Palin won the the um, the, the Alaska race. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was she's qualified to be governor. Look, Come on, yeah, yeah. And look at the last uh, gubernatorial race in Texas where Rick Perry won. And and he had Deborah Medina and and Kay Belly Hutchinson running against him, and he still won, even though he had a lot of scar, a lot of marks on his record. People there still voted for him, and by his, I guess it was a rather small margin because he had two other people running against him in the Republican primary. But still, when you get to the the national level, all your skeletons come jingling out of the closet, right? Because there is no magnifying glass that's quite as big as the magnifying glass for running for. POTUS here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll go on with some of the, the more unsavory aspects here of uh, Herman Cain. But let's go to Patrick in Orlando. Patrick? Hey, how you guys doing? All's well. What's on your mind? I, I had a little uh, preamble meeting for Occupy Orlando. Okay. Here in Florida, and I was just down there, and uh, all, all I can do is give an exasperated sign, really. So, what was uh, what was your impression of Occupy Orlando's uh, little preemptible meeting there? I feel like it's a lot of people caring about. You're, you're cutting out. Sorry, Patrick. Patrick, why don't you get on the landline? Give us a call back. I'd really appreciate that. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. I do want to hear what Patrick has to say, but it's tough on those. Uh, sometimes it's a Skype line. Sometimes it's a, a cell line. You just never know if he can get to a better cell. Then that's fine too. All right, so um, here's a video where apparently they have uh, Herman Cain admitting that his plan won't work. I don't know what exactly that uh, that's that 999 plan, but apparently we just need to trust him to fix our problems. He also previously endorsed moderate Mitt Romney. I don't think that that's the worst thing in the world. I mean, somebody had to endorse somebody, so why, you know, Mitt Romney? Uh, but I suppose that it could matter for somebody. He has no battle plan for Afghanistan. What he has said is that he is going to uh, basically listen to what his generals on the ground say. And I'd like somebody to point at that general who said, we need to be in fewer wars. Okay, besides Smedley Butler, I'm talking about a general who's actually on staff doing something in a war at this time. That, that sounds like the same way he ran his company, right? You're like, oh, oh I'll just let the managers do, do what they want to do, and then they embezzle a, a crap load of money. Right. Uh, you know, this, this is – so generals um, – even in like the uh, the invasion of the Japanese um, mainland is a really great example. You'll hear those that support the uh, the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima say that well, if you look at Operation Overlord and what they had to, the millions of men, the million men that was expected to die in the um, in in the overtaking of the Japanese mainland and blah 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 blah. Well, that presumes that the Japanese mainland actually had to be overtaken in the same way that all these other little islands were in this uh, hopscotch thing up to to Japan. There's no reason for that. Um, They could have just sat out there with their ships until and waited for Japan to surrender in in kind of an old-style siege operation. But generals don't fight and die in wars. Therefore, bullets don't scare them. So it's the guys on the ground that, that would catch hard, hard bullets with their soft, soft bodies. Generals are always going to say, let's escalate, let's do more. If you walk into a room full of surgeons and complain, brain surgeons, and complain about a headache, 
You're going to have your head cut open shortly. Generals, if you walk into a room full of generals and ask them, do we need to fight a war in this particular area? Yes, that's going to be the answer. That's how they solve problems. They move troops around. More troops solve problems. That's what generals do. When you said that, Mark, it reminded me of, of a blog post I read back in July 6th of 2011 on the economicpolicyjournal.com. And the article was entitled, Why Elliot Spitzer Should Be Missed. And, and there's, a, there's a clip of Elliot Spitzer interviewing Herman Cain. And he was, you know, throwing some pretty hard questions at him, and Herman Cain could not answer him. And then they show a video of Elliot Spitzer throwing some hard questions at Ron Paul, and the difference is like night and day. I would encourage you all to pass this video around, watch both of the, the interviews, because it's very telling. Yeah, this is the, you know, I think Herman Cain does a better job of attempting to answer questions than, say, Romney does. But, mm-hmm. you know, when he does attempt to answer questions, you will find that he has a lot of platitudes, a lot of sort of talking points. He, you know, just has this way of this cadence of delivering that's kind of mesmerizing. But he doesn't have the real solid ideas on how yeah. to implement. A lot of his stuff is gimmicky, and yeah. it doesn't really address um, these issues. And it's because he doesn't have experience in this area and, frankly, hasn't had enough money to hire people to really tell him how to run his campaign. Fundraising is up for him, but it's nowhere near where where it's at right um, in the last quarter for Perry, Romney, and Paul. These guys are the front runners still, and Kane is sort of the upstart. People are wanting to move Paul out of the, the top tier, and I don't think that it's so uh, worthy of doing at this point. No. 855. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too? Mark Warden is the guy for you. Porcupine Free Talk Live, eight fifty five, four fifty free. SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. Also, you can go to listen.freetalklive.com. Not only are we on a, more than 100 great radio stations and XM and Free to Air Satellite, we've got live streams on the Internet, freetalklive.com, the webcam, which has uh, audio and a chat room at chat.freetalklive.com. Excuse me, cam.freetalklive.com. And listen lines um, that you can call in from telephones, well, a telephone anywhere, and uh, listen to Free Talk Live. Just go to listen.freetalklive.com. Get those numbers. It's listen.freetalklive.com. Get your liberty message out to thousands of people a month for fractions of a penny apiece. Do it from the back of your car with libertystickers.com. They have hundreds and hundreds of different liberty sayings. You can check them out. Let your voice be heard. It's libertystickers.com. They've got great products over there at libertystickers.com. I've got one of their bumper stickers on my car. It's libertystickers.com. Going on with this information on Herman Cain here, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's time that we start talking about him as a candidate. He's not an also-ran anymore. He's getting some uh, traction. We were just listening to... I guess some audio of him talking to uh, Elliot Spitzer about a month ago about his plan for doing away with Obamacare. 
And apparently he didn't have one at the time. Actually, it was from July. It was from July. It was uh, so yeah, so I mean, several months ago. And it, you know, to some extent, I kind of feel like this is what we get from Herman Cain. We get some good sounding speeches. He's got a great voice. He looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he looks very presidential. Or whatever. I like him. I like his personality better than Romney's. He comes off as being a little more genuine. Yeah. in most cases, but he speaks in platitudes. And doesn't seem to have any knowledge about the vast majority of things that people like it's governing. I, you know, I'm, I just got to say that it seems like he's going to get other people to do the job for him. And it's disturbing. Well, a leader is supposed to be the one who, you know, has guides the company, guides the organization and has to be rooted in principle. And I don't think the guy has the principle needed right now to, to solve the problems that that face this country. Are most CEOs leaders? Osborne? Well, it should no, be. I don't know, but it, it seems like they would have to be, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't have gotten the, the job. I will say, uh, you know, they spend most... I would say they're figureheads, mm-hmm. right, in, in general, right? They, they say the nice flowery words that don't actually mean anything. They don't particularly know exactly how the businesses run, but they're supposed to have the the vision. And yeah, like Wayne vision. said, the principles, the, the guiding light i.e. steve jobs right right and um and kane does have a principle and his principle is if there's a problem government can solve it i mean that's all a time and again that seems to be what his principle is here he supports the the patriot act the fourth amendment of the u.s constitution clearly prohibits warrantless searches and guarantees that americans have the right to be secure in their persons and papers yet herman kane supports spying on american citizens without due process and supports the patriot act can't trust a man who's not 100% loyal to the Constitution. And he's got an article on it. Um, Tom Woods, uh, the, the, the great uh, liberty-oriented economist, historian, uh, excuse me, historian, he he's, uh, really tears into Herman Cain and explains why he's not so great. And, you know, those that believe in smaller government, believe in liberty, they need to take a really hard look at the support for Herman Cain. I'm not saying that I don't think, you know, he's better than other candidates or whatever. But what I am saying is there's a good choice out there in the top tier, and that's Ron Paul. And frankly, we can make, you know, Kane doesn't, Kane's not raising the money. He doesn't have the money. You can't be in the top tier without the money. You've got to have the apparatus. You have to have the boots on the ground. Where is his crew of people doing stuff in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina? It's non-existent. Mm-hmm. It isn't there. Sometimes when I talk to Republicans who don't like Ron Paul's stance on foreign policy, they say, well, I agree with him on economic issues, but not on foreign policy. But really, the two cannot be separated, because when you consider the trillions of dollars that are being spent on, on all these foreign wars and foreign interventionism, that is that is an economic issue. And it basically dwarfs a lot of the, the social programs that these Republicans don't like. Absolutely. It's true. I mean, it's a huge economic issue. And I don't understand what Republicans think they're getting out of these wars. They just want to support the troops. You can support the troops by doing what the troops want. The troops, by and large, more um, when you look at the money donated by the troops, you'll see that Ron Paul is supported more than all the other candidates combined as far as dollars from the troops. You want to support the troops? Bring them home. That's what they want. And you can do it. Uh, there was this campaign called BlackThisOut.com. On October the 19th, freedom lovers everywhere intend to create a ripple in politics so big that no media outlet is going to be able to ignore it. This is going to be similar to the the first money bomb, and I think it's a great idea because this is one thing that the sort of the average person can do 
in order to get Ron Paul on the radar of the media. Uh, Herman Cain's getting a lot of attention right now, and this is a way to get it, uh, get to steal it back. It's blackthisout.com. I support it. I'm going to be participating. Blackthisout.com. Let's go to David in Keene. David. Hello. What's going on? What's on your mind? I was going to ask about the Jason. That's Jason there, right? This is Jason Osborne. That's Osborne, hi. Yeah. And I thought I heard you mention that he knows a lot about economics. Indeed. Jason, <laughs> I have a piece of paper that uh, claims that I do. <laughs> okay. Well said. I was going to ask you something. Uh-oh. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, well, it's for everyone, but you, 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 um, is like, what do you think about regulations? Do you think they're all no good? Uh, I regulate uh, my business all the time, and I regulate my household, and I regulate my uh, daily life, and uh, I I use a lot of regulation. But um, I'm thinking about like rivers being all undrinkable. Do they are rivers all undrinkable? No, he's talking about rivers becoming undrinkable because of of a lack of re- uh, perceived exactly. regulation. Exactly. So. And stuff like that. Well, David, who do you think let uh, these companies pollute the rivers? Um, Well, um, I think the big people have the power and like Uh big, humongous, big, big, humongous corporations said, be damned, you little farmer people or house people. We're going to do what we want. You got to watch out for those farmer people because they tend to be some of the biggest polluters out there. <laughs> and historically, they've been able to do that by getting permission to do so from the government. Yeah. Because the government wasn't honoring property rights of people living along the rivers. They were honoring the rights to pollute by their friends and in, in big industry. Yeah, the, the permission. They give, they've been giving permission to pollute to their friends in whatever industry that they wanted to. I mean, you know, when when it comes to, uh, you know, unpleasant, the unpleasantness that we're experiencing most of the time in today's society, you can usually draw the line back to the government. Now, people will often say this about libertarians. Gosh, darn you, we always blame the government. But frankly, I think you can. I think here's the, the cardinal rule that most uh, things in life either have to do with sort of acts of God in nature or people wanting to control other people. These are like these encompass all the problems. I'd love somebody what to about, point point out one that doesn't. But um, this. What about go ahead. What about China? Don't we aren't we aren't we uh, sending everything over to China? And we don't have any more industry here because of China. And China is getting uh, what we were getting like. So many years ago, having you know um, people abused and, and uh, pollution and stuff, and and that's why they're making cheap stuff. Yeah, right? I'm pretty sure we get a lot more from China than we send to them. Maybe he's talking so, about jobs, it, it, like the well, jobs. They are being can sent. make cheap stuff. They can make cheap stuff because they're able to pollute and, and abuse workers, right? I, you know, it, it may very well be true, but what does one do about it? Um, you know, how does one stop China from acting in the way that they do? They need to, uh, you know, I think that the businesses in China need to not pollute. But how do we as Americans have anything to do with it? And I'd say that there's really not much of a redress that we can have. And China has has a lack of rights for individuals 
And they also don't have any environmental um, sense at all, really, because they don't honor property rights. They don't involve or they don't honor individual rights. And that's what it takes to stop pollution. Is, is well, if somebody pollutes your property, you should be able to sue them. If somebody fr- uh, defrauds you, you should be able to sue them and take them to court. But I would like to point out before we go on, David, that apparently uh, manufacturing is – there's more manufacturing going on in the United States than there was in the 50s. And that's because American uh, – just beca- essentially because of technology. Well, uh, we're a market for China, right? We're like a huge market for we're the, China. We're the largest so. market in the world. So, so... For everyone. So, I guess we're just addicted to cheap stuff, and, and if we're addicted to cheap stuff, we're addicted to polluting and abusing workers. Do you want expensive stuff, David? <laughs> no. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that if you buy expensive stuff, that you won't get pollution out of it. I, I'm sorry to say, I do appreciate the call though. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Call us up on Free Talk Live. Share your opinion. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. And now it's time for the Leadership Radio Minute with tips and advice on how to maximize your own leadership potential. Here's international leadership expert and New York Times bestselling author, John C. Maxwell. If you want to become a better leader, you can't focus on rules and procedures to get things done or keep things going. You must develop relationships. Why? Because the people are who get things done, not the playbook. The people are responsible for an organization's success. And for that reason, they are its most valuable and appreciable asset. Growing as a leader takes time, but it takes no time at all to let others know that you value them, expressing appreciation and taking interest in them personally. If you're in a position of authority, always remember, people, not position, are a leader's most valuable asset. Invest in them, and you'll never regret it. For the Leadership Radio Minute, I'm John C. Maxwell. For more information on how to maximize your own leadership potential, please visit johnmaxwell.com. True leadership isn't a matter of having a certain job or title. In fact, being chosen for a position is only the first of the five levels every effective leader achieves. In his new book, The Five Levels of Leadership, leadership expert and New York Times bestselling author John C. Maxwell helps you to become more than the boss people follow only because they're required to. He gives advice on how to grow further, achieve results, and build a team that produces. The Five Levels of Leadership, the newest book from John C. Maxwell, is available wherever books are sold. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call-in line. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. It's an open lines show. You can call in, talk about whatever interests you. The show is interactive. So is the website, freetalklive.com. You can go there, link to stories, blog posts, whatever you want. People will vote them up, vote them down. You can do the same with theirs. And there's a lot of eyes that hit freetalklive.com. Let's go to Nick in Illinois. Nick? Hello. On the topic of uh, progressive taxation, or really just taxation in general, uh, here's a thought experiment I read, which I have also thought myself at times, that I think can help explain the reasoning behind the justification of taxes and build some understanding between libertarians and statists, especially liberals. Uh, Imagine that America is a club. This club has particular services that we'll call public goods, Mm -hmm. things like education, roads, police, and fire services. 
that are intended to produce an environment conducive to the maximal well-being and standard of living of the club's members. Sure. In order to pay for this, this club charges member dues based on how well the club has worked for you. So the wealthier you get, the more you pay. Yep. This is what liberals already see America as being. And sure. furthermore, I think that if America really were like this, libertarians would be fine with it too. So where's the disconnect? If liberals and libertarians both want this, why are they so at odds politically? Well, the part about this that's wrong, obviously, is that clubs are something that you willingly join mm-hmm. and have to appeal to you to keep your business. But government doesn't. Clubs don't force you to join and they don't claim monopolies on the ability to use force to get you to pay. Mm-hmm. We see this difference in private cities. Uh, even if the American government were a non-governmental corporation owning all the land and charged you rent called taxes to stay on it and use that to pay for public goods, uh, even if this were the case, it would still not be the same as a government doing the same because a private entity still does not claim a monopoly on the use of force over you. About the most I think they'd be able to do if you don't pay is kick you off the land. Yeah, that much is true. They, uh... And they wouldn't try to tax you if you went to another country. In, in property taxes, that's what they do. They kick you off the land. Um, when it comes to income tax, they, uh, they, as I understand it, they won't. They generally don't throw you in jail for anything other than an income tax, other than being fraudulent. But then again, they may um, throw you in jail for refusing to file too. So that uh, that, that would be um, an initiation of force. Um, didn't that happen with Erwin uh, Schiff and Ed and Elaine Brown? <laughs> uh, I don't know about Ed and La- yeah. They they also got structuring. So yes, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to That talk is about. the difference. Um, if you can talk to liberals and show them the gun in the room, that tends to be the most effective way to deal with them. And by the gun in the room, I mean that every product and every service that the government provides, no matter how inefficiently it provides it, it provides it at the barrel of a gun. So if, for instance, you've got a fire department in your town and you would prefer to not employ that fire department, then you don't have a choice. You've got to pay for those engines and ladder trucks and whatever they have if you would just want to take your chances and have a, a you know extinguishers around your house or whatever you don't have an option a better example schools in your if in your neighborhood they have a school you think the public school stinks you don't want to send your kid there doesn't matter you still got to pay for it and your the money is taken from your child essentially because well, you got to educate your kid anyway, and all the money that um, you have to pay the money to educate other people's kids and then educate yours, too. And that's well, how the monopoly works. Well, with fire protection, what they'll uh, probably bring up, do you remember that story maybe about a year ago about a guy who didn't pay for his, uh, his fire insurance or whatever properly, and so the town fire department let his house burn? May very well have. Um, I remember that story. But there was a catch to it, if I remember, too. What was the catch? Uh, I, th- I believe it was, the, you know, I don't remember now, but there was something that actually invalidated that whole argument. I don't remember what it was. That's Aside an old from story. The fact that that fire department was still a monopoly? That might have been it. It could have been. There was something that actually invalidated the argument when the facts all came out, and I don't recall what it was. Fire departments aren't there to save your house. This is the, the thing that people have uh, you know, uh, failed to understand about fire departments. Fire departments are there to save your neighbor's house. Fire is a danger, especially in congested areas, because it will sweep through neighborhoods. And the general, I mean, the fact is, if, you, if a fire catches in your house and you know maybe you can get the fire department there in three minutes to put it out but the water Mm -hmm. damage and stuff you might as well have let it burn as far as the Mm -hmm. costs go yeah generally more more important more importantly than that uh if i think that if we all lived in private cities you know the thing about private cities is they often have stricter regulations than what the the government actually has 
And I suppose a private city would require you to, to pay for the insurance anyway. So I think that that argument is also moot. Isn't there a private city down next to Disney World? I think it's called Celebration. Celebration. And that, uh, yeah. yeah, it's very well, strict, Disney actually. World itself lies in a private city district. And uh, every time a hurricane sweeps through there, it's usually the least damaged place because they build their buildings to stricter code. Indeed. And this, these are some of the advantages that you might get if there was competition in the marketplace. But government has no competition because the last thing that government wants is competition because it is the most inefficient form of organization out there. It can't handle competition. And mm-hmm. even when it comes when it comes down to it, uh, the United States government is so concerned about you leaving competition-wise that there are exit taxes now, mm-hmm. which essentially closes the loop on the slavery argument. In Roman times, <laughs> slaves were able to uh, possess money and buy themselves out of slavery <laughs> over time. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it, Nick. Um, they, were, they were able to possess property and uh, possess money and to buy themselves out of slavery. And now here in the United States, in order to leave the country, say you want to go be a citizen of the Channel Islands or Liechtenstein or whatever to get some kind of better tax bracket or you know Costa Rica, you just like it down there, you like the Ticas down there. Whatever your reason is, you've got to pay an exit tax to get out of the country. And it isn't cheap. It's mm-hmm. a percentage of what you possess. That's if you, you give up out. your citizenship. But even if you were to go and become an, be an expat someplace where you have dual citizenship, if anything you make over $80,000 a year, the federal government still reaches across the water yes. and grabs money from you because you're one of theirs. There's a really great article, and I think it was written by Radley Balco. I'm not 100% certain, but it was called Accidental Americans. I may be wrong on the author here, and um, you know, uh, if you guys uh, you know, know here, take, a, take an opportunity to look it up if you could. But it's called Accidental Americans, and it's talking about, for instance, you know, a guy moves to Canada, marries a Canadian gal, and um, then you know, has, they have some kids. 18 years later, those kids go to work. Those kids have dual citizenship. The American government, the United States government, claims a percentage of those kids' wages and is going after them because they feel they own you even when you aren't on their land. <laughs> so this is this is it only holds true in the slavery thing. Yeah. You know, you own a slave whether they're standing on your property or not. When they walk away, they're still yours. The United States government, it claims its citizens all around the world. It claims the money you earn in other countries. And then, of course, those countries can often claim um, a percentage of your wages, too. So you've really got this terrible situation where Americans are trying to uh, you know, make a living elsewhere. It, it could be very tough. You know, earlier we were talking about the word capitalism. And to, for capitalism to work, you've got to have two main things. You've got to have risk and you've got to have competition. And can you tell me that Goldman Sachs really has risk and competition if they know they're going to get bailed out? Sure. And if the government let their primary competitor go out of business— and and but you can have you you can have greed um, even in a non-capitalistic system. Do you think the Soviet Union, the, the Politburo members weren't greedy? You know, the greed for power is worse than the greed for money. Yeah, I mean, and, and they go hand in hand. But you have to keep greed in check. And, and and the traditional capitalism with with competition and risk were the best check on greed that that that. Uh, they've devised so far yeah competition is a great check on greed and this is why if you're a greedy businessman who wants to cut quality um to your customer then 
the next guy is going to come along, provide a better service, and your your customers are going to go to them. Standard Oil at one point had a near monopoly. I think they had 80 or 90 percent of the business um, in this country. But within a decade, they'd lost it. Take a look at um, businesses like, you know, uh, that, you know, here in the United States, Microsoft. Mm-hmm. They're losing whatever monopoly they might have had. Apple's got a huge, big old bite out of Microsoft. And, and Linux, open source, too. Open source software is taking a big bite out of Microsoft Linux, as well. Linux is Ubuntu or whatever it is. Open Office. Some yep. of the open uh, standard um, uh, office programs now. The, you know, market monopolies, generally, they don't exist. The only monopolies exist that are granted by governments. Governments are monopolies, and then they will give those monopolies to their friends and people that they feel they can control. 855-450-FREE if you disagree. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes feed the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You can call in, talk about what you want to. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Here on Free Talk Live, it's Mark with you and Osborne and Wayne. Now, Osborne, um, you're the principal over there at SACL CAI. You guys do collections. You do it in a manner that is different than a lot of collections companies. You try to treat your clients with respect, but what is changing now uh, with the Obama administration and collections? Oh, this is uh, good stuff here. So uh, Obama came out, I believe, yesterday or today and uh, said that he wants to make it easier for private debt collectors to call the cell phones of consumers delinquent on student loans and other monies owed to the federal government. Yeah, so um, it'd be uh, (laughs) debt collectors that are collecting for the government. Right. So already the government has the the advantage of uh, if you don't if you don't pay the income tax that they claim you owe them, they'll they can throw you in jail if you don't file. Oh, they got all kinds of tricks up their sleeve. Yeah. Like they they don't have to use the court system to get a judgment against you if you you know quote owe them money. Uh, they can just take it right out of your bank account if they find it, or they can uh, force your employer to just hand your wages over to them if they can figure out where you work. Right, and no other company could do that. They absolutely could lean not. on you. We have to do this thing, you know, called present evidence, and uh, you know, convince a judge that uh, the debt is valid, and all those things. And what kind of debt do people get into with the government? Um, there's obviously student loans, student loans, uh, taxes, and then there's all kinds of other aren't mortgages that, basically uh, government loans at this point? With the Freddie uh, May and Fannie Mac taking them over in some way, but I, I don't think those. I don't quite fall in the same category. Okay. I know I was just at a com- was conference last week uh, with the the head of collections for the Treasury Department. Okay, and they, I mean, they have uh, just tons and tons of different agencies and departments that have debts owed them uh, for all kinds of different reasons that I, I don't even understand. 
So, what are some of the other um, some of the other ways that you can think of? You just can't, uh, you know. They, there's student loans. What about tax taxation? I mean, do tax, they have, yeah, that would be one. Now, the, income tax. No, they don't really use private debt collectors uh, for uh, income taxes right now. Uh, they're talking about doing it again. They had an experiment where they tried it a number of years ago, and it just fell on its face. So, because most private companies, you know, have souls and uh, aren't interested in uh, you know collecting that kind of uh, debt. Oh, somebody will do it. <laughs> somebody will do it. Don't worry, somebody will do it. So, um, what is the at this point the your average collection company cannot call you on your cell phone? Is that correct? No, yeah, and and there, there, there's I actually think there's a good reason for doing this right i mean tell me why back, back in the day they made these rules that oh you can't call a person's cell phone and back then you know min- five dollars a minute yeah, it was five dollars a minute and most people had uh landlines that uh, you could call this day and age i can't even get someone under the age of 30 on the phone anymore right because they just don't have uh, landlines and yeah. it's much cheaper this is the primary mode of communication that people are are using sometimes it's under 40 I mean, the fact is, we've got a landline at my house, but it's essentially the business line for my sales, the sales arm of Free Talk Live. My wife almost never answers that thing, and she only answers it if it rings off the hook and she gets annoyed. Um, She's got her own cell phone. She communicates with her friends and family that way, and that's how she gets her – and and she's not under 30. She's not under 40. Right. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of people are doing this, and it's not just uh, limited to the very limited to the very very young, but they're of course not going to change it for other people with, say, more legitimate debts. Sure. <laughs> I think this brings up a, a bigger issue. Like, what is the nature of a phone? Like, is that something that you have out there exposed to the world where anyone can just call you whenever they feel like it, or is it something that's uh, private to you that only people you have given permission to can call? It, I'd say it depends on how out there the phone is. I mean, if you've given this phone in some kind of credit reference sheet, and then there that phone number is referred to the collections company given to them by the 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 debtor or the the, the payee or whatever the term is, then how am I as a collections company supposed to know that your phone is a cell phone? Why should I go through whatever? Oh, oh no, it's it, right now as the law stands, it's your responsibility to know that that is a cell phone. And there's companies that provide the service to you mm-hmm. where you scrub the numbers through and they tell you this one's a cell phone. You can't call it. Well, they, but, but how did this onus get, uh, get placed upon me? That's what I want to know. I mean, if the person, the person who borrowed money placed this phone number down as a way to be contacted and then they don't want to pay their money and i shouldn't contact them through that number i mean that's really bizarre isn't it right i mean it's basically archaic law right it is and, and yeah in, in my opinion it, it sure seems obvious that if you have provided a number as your point of contact i should be at least able to call you one time uh to find out whether or not you want to reject that phone call or right. Not, right? So, and, and in the, in the marketplace like this thing people don't understand about debt collectors right they don't want to talk to you unless you want to talk to them so pick up that phone and at least tell them to stop calling you, right? And then they won't. And if they do, then, you know, you can sue them and, and right. do all kinds you have of that options. But if you don't want to talk to them, they're just going to file a suit. if they're running their business properly, they're going to stop calling you. Yeah, sure. You know, and if they don't – and the, the other thing, if you don't want to be a jackass and sue them, you can also call the original creditor and say, hey, you know, this collection agency you're using are, are kind of jackasses. And uh, maybe you should think about using someone else like uh, Sigel CAI. <laughs> <laughs> that would make things a lot easier. <laughs> I would imagine, Jason, if 
you know, you talk to the bill collector right away that um, they, they would be expending less resources because then they would know, okay, we got a hold of him. He doesn't want to be called anymore. Cross him off the list. Is that how it works? Right, for the most part. Or you put them on the on the back burner because uh, the, the secret to collections is that uh, people's situations change over time. So if you sit on something long enough, uh, someone will improve their life situation. You know, they'll get over a divorce. They'll get a new job. You know, and then, and then they'll start taking care of their responsibilities. So, guys, let's go to uh, Mac in Indianapolis. Mac? Yes, you were speaking earlier about examples of how the free market will eventually work. And yes. gave a couple of examples, one of which was uh, Standard Oil. Is that, did I hear you correctly? Yeah, I believe it was Standard Oil that uh, had a near monopoly in the, I think it was 1880s. And by the time the antitrust laws were passed, uh, which were aimed at Standard Oil, Standard Oil had already lost a lot of its market share through the market rather than f- through the law. Okay, well, I got your point. I, w- I was thinking you were saying the government had nothing to do with it, and that was your point, only after it was they had already lost market share when the Sherman Anti-Act went in. Is that right? Yeah, the, the fact is that um, the the only monopolies that can truly exist are monopolies that are granted by governments. Or, which are also known as coercive monopolies. Uh, no, I agree with your program and most of your premises. So, Thanks for the thanks call, thanks Mac. For, uh, I, I, I do out. appreciate it. Thank you very much. 855-450-3733. Nice thing about Open Lines Current Events shows. You can keep them honest, and that's what Mac was looking to do. Look, you know, I mean, he was, yeah. you know, I'll bet you had his research out on his computer. He was ready to, uh, if we were wrong on something, uh, or if he felt we were wrong on something. Believe me, we've been wrong on something tonight. There's no way a person can do a three-hour radio program and not slip up in some way, shape, or form. But um, you know, I love it when listeners call in and tend to keep us honest, and I think that's a, it's an extraordinarily valuable thing about the listenership of Free Talk Live. Thank you for the call, Mac. And you can call in at 855-450-3733 about whatever you want to here on Free Talk Live. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. Eight fifty five four fifty free. It's a SACL toll free call in line here on Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's eight five five four five zero free. That's three seven three three. For those of you who don't know what the little letters are on your phone, have you ever been the victim of an injustice and then decided to do nothing about it because attorneys are just too expensive? Jurisdictionary.com is a course for people who don't have attorneys. It arms you with the information on how to use the court's rules, and until you know these rules, you're fighting in the dark. It works for plaintiffs or defendants, civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts. It costs less than an hour with any good attorney. The four-CD course is so easy, the average eighth grader 
can learn it in a weekend. This is the the civics course you should have learned in high school. It prepares you to go into the court and move the court uh, to you know demand evidence from the judge, all kinds of things that they don't want you to know about. Jurisdictionary.com. Remember when you check out to use the pull-down menu to let them know you heard it from uh, Free Talk Live. It's Jurisdictionary.com. By the way, Wayne, you asked to borrow my copy of Jurisdictionary. I have it in my briefcase for you, so don't let me forget it. I, uh, this is a great course. You can loan it to your friends <laughs> once you have it. Uh, awesome course. It's Jurisdictionary.com. Also, when you're doing uh, shopping on Online, check out shop.freetalklive.com. It's a great way for you to benefit Free Talk Live and get the same great prices and service that you normally get from Amazon and Newegg at shop.freetalklive.com. You'll get you'll get everything the way you normally get it, but Free Talk Live will get a little spiff. It's shop.freetalklive.com. So if you think it's scary that perhaps the government may call your cell phone and demand to uh, to be paid for whatever loans or, or, or whatever debt it has decided that you owe it. How about this? Army tracking plan, drones that never forget a face. Robots in the sky that will be used to look at you know, face, re- face recognition software here, you know, everywhere. That sounds scary, Mark. Face, faces in the sky? <laughs> Facial recognition software, sorry. <laughs> sounds like Harry Potter. <laughs> Perhaps the idea of spy drones already makes you nervous, and maybe you're uncomfortable with the notion of an unblinking robotic eye in the sky that can watch your every move. It's from Wired.com. If so, you may want to click away now because the Army has... Um, has its way. Drones won't be just be able to look at what you do. They'll be able to recognize your face and track you based on how you look. If the military machines assemble enough information, they might be able to peer into your heart. Pentagon, whatever that means. Pentagon has uh, tried all sorts of tricks to keep tabs on the foes as they move around. Tiny transmitters, lingering scents, even human uh, thermal fingerprints. The military calls the effort tagging, tracking, and locating, or TTL. And as the strategy in places like Afghanistan has shifted from rebuilding societies in to a taking out individual insurgents, TTL has become increasingly central to the American effort. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been devoted to it. The current technologies have their limits, however. Transmitters can be discovered, discarded, since can eventually waft away. Even uh, the tagged can also get lost in a crowd. But there are some things that can't be so easily discarded, like the shape of your face or the feelings inside you keep inside. That's why the Army has just handed out a, a half a dozen contracts to firms that find faces from above. I, I can't even imagine how they can figure out what your face is, looks like from above. Track targets and even spot adversarial intent from, like, <laughs> body heat or something. If this works out, we'll have to, the ability to track people persistently across wide areas, says uh, Ten Feldmer, the lead biometrics researcher at Progeny Systems Corp. Corporation, which recently won one of the army contracts, a guy can go under a bridge or inside a house, but when he comes out, we'll know it's the same guy that went in. Progeny has just started to work on their drone-mounted, long-range, non-cooperative biometric tracking and location system. And the thing that I wanted to point out about this is, you know, as disturbing as it is, there's a lot of people that would like to see more privacy in the liberty movement. I get it. I'm for it. I work on keeping my privacy to some extent or another. But this is coming, and it's coming in lots of. It's going to come in lots of different ways. The army's obviously interested in getting the terrorists over in Afghanistan or whatever it is it's doing. What about the hummingbird drones that can fly right by your window and look in? They sure while have you're kissing them. your wife. Just go ahead, Humming, hummingbird drone. Just look it up on Google. It's out there, um, or you know, startpage.com or whatever you want to look it up on. 
But these, uh, you know, it depends on your privacy level that you're looking you're looking for. But you can believe once this technology is in place, and they're already working on it. Ten years ago, they were looking at doing this in Ybor City in Tampa, having this facial recognition software, and it failed. But that was ten years ago. Software has gotten a lot better since then. And one wonders, well, when is it going to be that they're going to know who you are just by they're going to be able to track you everywhere? And I'm not just talking about the government. I'm talking about businesses. Businesses would love to know when a repeat customer comes in the door. They want to know this information. They want to know when somebody who has uh, been targeted by um, uh, loss reduction or shrinkage walks into the door, you know, a known crook. They want to know these things. They want to know – they're going to want to look at things about you. They're going to want to be able to to market things directly to you. Well, you know, there's also going to be – there could be a reaction in the marketplace to that. I think a lot of people – I think I'd probably be out in front of of the store protesting with Dr. Albrecht on this one because (laughs) – it could you don't have well to be. go there. You don't have to go to a store that's tracking people with facial recognition. I would like to know. I would love to hear the, 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 you know, tell me about the technology that has been ruined by protests of people who do not want it to proceed. I'd love to hear about it because I can't think of one. To, as far as I can tell, these technologies are coming. And I do believe that privacy is something that's going to be reduced in the future. I'm not here rooting for it. I am not voting for it. I'm just warning my listeners that this is reality as you're going to see it in the upcoming decades. Well, the technology itself is not the problem. It's how it's used. It's the intent. Sure, sure. If the intent is to spy on people and to share databases with nefarious government agencies to uh, identify people um, for non-nefarious purposes, maybe these per- people are, are protesters, they're, they're peaceful protesters. They're all being tagged, too, just like the, the people who are murderers and rapists. They're all being lumped into the same uh, group. By these know, technologies. I don't know what their groups are, but I can tell you that they they want to they want to know as much as they possibly can. And different uh, organizations are going to use this information. I want to know when uh, that list of government agents comes on my property. You know, this li- this this is going to trickle down to the individual. You're mm-hmm. going to know who's coming. Um, you know, just by the by, you know the, the the camera in your driveway or whatever. Well, a few years back during the whole. Uh, build real intense build up to this homeland security state. General Poindexter called this total information awareness, and this is part of that. I it, absolutely. Uh, it, I, I want private people to have this technology. Right when yeah. I go into a store or a restaurant or any place of business, I want excellent service. Right, yeah. and if they have this kind of technology, that's what they are going to use it for because they are in the business of providing good service. Look at what Amazon does with all of their tracking and data collection and crazy stuff. They provide excellent customer service. It, that's the only place I shop. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's excellent. When I worked at a gym in Sarasota, Florida, there was a guy who owned a uh, plumbing business, a very, very, very popular, uh, successful plumbing business. Um, I think he was a partner there, and his name was Bob or something. And he liked to be treated very well. And I figured out very quickly that I could make a significant uh, tip. And I'm talking about, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, I could make a $20 uh, tip by valeting his car for him and making sure that he was made happy at the gym. Mm -hmm. There weren't any other people at the gym that were doing this for me. And this was a way to, I mean, that was three hours pay or so. Mm -hmm. So um, when when Bob drove up in his Corvette and he parked it, um, you know, in the fire lane, and um, came in, and he saw me, he tossed the keys to me, and I'd go out and I'd valet his car, and you can mm-hmm. believe I did. Bob got, got excellent customer service because I recognized his face. If 
Bob could be if if uh, you know the, an athletic club could figure out and target Bob as a big spender. What do they call them in uh, in, in Las v- Vegas? VIPs. Uh, VIP. Well, but in Vegas they have some term whales. 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 Mm-hmm. If they could identify Bob as a whale and um, you know <laughs> give him the kind of service that he demands. Then you know they'd make significantly more money off this guy and be happier, and then the other whales would come and all this other stuff, right? Yep. There, there's a restaurant I go to in Manchester all the time, and as soon as I walk through the door, before I sit down, there are three diet cokes lined up in front of my. Uh, there you go. Uh, wham, 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 and this is what excellent customer service will get you. I'm not saying uh, that it can't. This can't be used nefariously. It certainly can. If, you, if this makes you nervous, the idea of the government tracking your every move, let me know. Tell me about it. Um, or businesses. 855-450-3733 here on Free Talk Live. The first secret to success is recognizing opportunity. The second is to act on it. But how do you gain the skills to know how and when? AllSuccessClub.com. Meet successful individuals online and in exotic locations around the world. Find out from the rich and famous how they went from rags to riches and learn how to achieve financial independence for yourself. Your path to success begins now at allsuccessclub.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. You might be able to squeeze you in here in the final segment. 855-450-3733. It is Mark with you. And Osborne. And Wayne. Jason, thank you for being on the show this evening. It is uh, always a pleasure to have one of our uh, big sponsors here on the show. And uh, sitting in with us. Well, thank you for having me. Yep. And maybe uh, you won't take an entire year next time to invite me. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, you live a little ways away. What can I tell you? It's hard uh, to uh, remember. I, you know, when I need somebody to sit in, I need them immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I actually called you to sit in on last night's show, but you were on the way, so you know, sat on in the show. Anyway, um, the AMP program. I want to tell you about that real quick. The AMP program is Free Talk Live's subscription program. Our um, our membership program. If you believe in the ideas of liberty like we do and you want to spread these ideas far and wide, and you believe the ideas of freedom need to be heard here in the United States and abroad, the best way to do that, the best use of your money is amp.freetalklive.com. We'll take uh, you know your amp contribution of $3 a month or more depending on what you want to contribute. And we'll offer you a few perks like, um, you know, there's the AMP-only call-in line, the AMP-only podcast that's commercial-free, and more. It's amp.freetalklive.com. It's a really great way to support, uh, for instance, if you support what Ian's doing, um, you know, getting arrested for uh, civil disobedience, or you support uh, Free Talk Live talking about liberty every night, amp.freetalklive.com. So let's go back to this article where, well, apparently the government is... Figuring out how to use their drones, their eyes in the sky, to identify people through facial recognition software and even computer programs that can apparently decide what your uh, – let me go on here. Uh, Progeny, a company that uh, is is working with the military and and coming up with this, says that it can do it. It can take an existing drone like the handheld Raven and turn it into a TTL machine. 
any pose, any expression, any lighting. Uh, this fella, Faltimir, says Progeny needs an image with just 50 pixels between the target's eyes to build a 3D model of his face. And that's about the same as it takes to traditionally capture a 2D image. Naturally, the model gets better and better the more pictures um, that are taken during the enrollment. Once the target is enrolled in Progeny's system, it might take only 15 or 20 pixels to identify that person again. A glance or two at Raven's camera might conceivably be enough. What if I wear war paint or something? I don't know. know, Because in Britain, to combat the cameras, the closed-circuit TVs, people are wearing masks and and trying to obscure their faces. Right. They're wearing sunglasses and uh, bandanas. They your nose like this. Yeah. All kinds of things uh, people will be doing to uh, try to defeat this stuff in order. And I think that that's that's what you're you're fine. But another thing is the Army is putting cash towards building a so-called adversary behavior acquisition collection, understanding (laughs) and summarization, or abacus tool. The system would integrate data from informants' tips, drone footage, and capture phone calls, and then it would apply a human behavior modeling and simulation engine that would spit out intent-based threat assessments of individuals and groups. I hate how they talk. I never even understand what they're saying, uh, but these, these, the military speak. Intent-based threat assessments of individuals and groups. In other words, this software could potentially find out which people are most likely to harbor ill will towards the U.S. military or its objectives? Well, come on. Isn't that easy? The one whose family they killed last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> isn't it simple? You know, you can't fight a war without having collateral damage or what we call innocent victims. And innocent victims, they, you know, they, it, tends to, it tends to create some animosity. That animosity turns into more terrorists. You can't kill terrorists without creating more terrorists. Or, like, I, I think you could create sort of uh, an assassination program that might limit the amount of um, animosity that was built. But wars, which is all that the uh, military seems to know how to do, to, they want to put as many boots on the ground and cost as much money to the taxpayer as possible. You can't do that without collateral damage. Even these drone strikes have been having collateral damage. It's certainly less than um, boots on the ground military has uh, has had. But I, you know, what I want my listeners to understand is that it, the the anonymity that we have had over time is going away. Um, it's not just it's not going to be wanted posters anymore. At some point in the relatively near future, your face is going to be in a database, government and otherwise, and they're going to be you know getting information about you. Whether that information is going to be used for good or um, ill, they're going to be doing doing it. And that is a you know that's that's just a uh, the world is going to move to a less private place. And whether it's true or not, how do you purge uh, untrue records from a government database? If there's a typo or some kind of clerical error, or maybe they're trying to uh, get you to do something, so they put something false in there, get you on Interpol when you don't belong there. Well, don't you just call up their customer service reps and uh, get them to take care of that for you? <laughs> yeah, try to get off the the uh, the, the oh, terrorist watch list, the fly list. Else. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. So there's two fly lists. One of this no fly list, you can't fly at all, and then there's the the sort of watch list. As much as people complain about complain about the private credit rating agencies, they're still a lot more responsive to error. Than than uh, the federal government, let's say, uh, trying to purge somebody off of a no-fly list that doesn't belong there. 
sure they want to be right in their uh, ratings. I imagine uh, I know that there's certainly some government regulations that go into play, but I don't know if those government re- regulations make it better or worse for the per- person who is innocent, the innocent victim when dealing with uh, with these uh, credit regulation agencies, these credit agencies. But, you know, this the credit agencies are a good example. I think Facebook is another example. Facebook seems to have sort of a company philosophy based around the idea that people are nicer on the Internet when they aren't fake. And is all you have to do is go to some, uh, you know, message board where people are anonymous and you can find that they can be pretty grumpy in a mm, lot of cases. What message board would you be thinking of, Mark? I'm thinking of 4chan specifically, <laughs> but uh, certainly at uh, bbs.freetalklive.com if you uh, come out if you come out of your mouth wrong, they're going to <laughs> they're going to fillet you. If you like yourself a good debate um, sprinkled liberally with pornography and, um, and, and foul mouths, uh, the completely unregulated BBS at bbs.freetalklive is for you. They would be happy to welcome you into the uh, the fold. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm I am thinking of all kinds of anonymous internet boards, and you know, Facebook. There's at least some level of accountability there. People will certainly make Facebook, uh, you know, uh, fake Facebook accounts, but you can unfriend them, and then they can't talk to you anymore. So. You know, I tend to on my Facebook, I try to just friend people that I've met and had interactions with and things like that. Now, I meet a lot of people, so I may not friend somebody who I just, you know, met one in one place. I'm trying to keep my little flow down so um, I'm less likely to do some uh, friending. But other people, you know, I've seen people with like 5,000 friends. They can't possibly know all these people, right? But. This is what Facebook's philosophy seems to be, is that they want to do away with a great deal of the uh, anonymity that is on the Internet. And I'm telling you, people, I think anonymity is going to be something that uh, tends to disappear. And I think that there's good and bad to it. And it's just something we need to sort of accept. Um, well, even, even the idea of paying cash, that, that's you know an anonymous economic trans, uh, yeah. trend. Um, transaction sure and and really you're seeing cash being phased out and you're even seeing how using cash can get you treated like a criminal in some circles absolutely um i think the government really would prefer that all um transactions be tracked and by them they don't like cash particularly and i think that they uh, would really really enjoy being able to do away with it i like to do transactions in cash um i just i prefer that that system there are ones where you know using credit cards is uh you know it's preferable online difficult to do and in this case bitcoins is a great invention but it hasn't been adopted uh universally at this point so you know until they until until some companies want to take bitcoins uh you know you're gonna have to buy with credit cards online and that's the way that's going to be so i'm just trying to warn people that the government is using facial recognition software. I think this will get into businesses before long. It'll probably make it down to uh, the consumer level at some point relatively soon. And this is the kind of thing that people need to be considering, that they're probably on camera far more than they even know in their lives. And, you know, <laughs> you need to conduct yourself accordingly. Well, anytime you go into one of those big box stores, there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. Even even uh, strip malls, gas stations. They all have cameras now. You don't think they're um, chasing after the hot girls um, and the, those cameras and not paying attention to you? 
Uh, in some cases, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say I blamed them. <laughs> Just always wonder. I mean, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm looking through the camera, what what are you going to be looking at? You know, I mean, that's it's just kind of how <laughs> the more interesting folks are the ones you're going to look at and attractive people are interesting, right? It's not yep. the tool, it's the user. <laughs> and it's all about the intent, too. The intent of using the technology. The technology can be great if it's used properly. Thanks for listening uh, to Free Talk Live. You can participate in the meantime at freetalklive.com. We are live from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, seven days a week. Live streaming all the time at Free Talk Live. Downloadable podcasts, first seven days, the last seven days at freetalklive.com.